Hello, and welcome to the Radical Care Podcast. I'm your host, Avis Adele Hitchcock, and on today's episode, I'm joined by my dad. I'm so excited to have you here, Dad. Could you please introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Buster Hitchcock, and I am Avis's dad. And uh, she said she'd like to ask me a few questions, and I'd like to answer them. Help her out. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dad. So, when were you first diagnosed with cancer? Um, I think it was like the first quarter of uh, 2017. Um, yeah, I, I, found, I went and saw a doctor and uh, I just found out I had cancer. And uh, so what happened, I had bladder cancer actually, that's what I had. So so the treatment was some radiation, uh, not radiation, I'm sorry, chemo to start with. And they're going to give me some chemo and uh, and see what happens. So I got the chemo and then uh, uh, the doc, my doctor decided that we should try to cut, cut it out that was in my bladder. So then I had some surgery and they were just going to remove what was inside my bladder. But they saw that it penetrated, uh, well, they, they did that actually, and then they saw that it had penetrated through the wall. So um, my surgeon suggested uh, that I see a specialist, because I'm a big guy and he didn't want to do this surgery. Um, I had to have my bladder removed, so uh, I made an appointment right away, and I wanted to have my bladder removed. Yeah, and uh, what what kind of happened after that? Like the surgery, it was pretty extensive um, in the sense of the time and all the things that could go wrong with it. Uh, what was the journey after having your bladder removed like? Like well, what, what, ha- what happens when someone doesn't have a bladder? Well, that's... Um... Uh, the first thing is, I woke up. I really didn't know where I was to. I was in the daze, and uh, I got this bag stuck to my bed, stuck on my belly, and uh, that's where I uh, had to pee. I had a hole in my uh, stomach. That's called a stoma, uh, and it comes into a bag, and it was very depressing at first. It was very sore and obviously took a little time to recover. And mentally it was uh, it was pretty challenging because uh, when I stopped, I kind of started losing all feeling in my uh, penis, actually. Uh, so it was, I was very embarrassed and I didn't feel like a man and I was, I was very depressed. Yeah, that's, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure there is lots of other men who, who go through this kinds of surgery with those feelings of like the sensations of not being able to urinate in the way anymore and all of the things of, like you said, feeling not feeling like a man because the feelings and the sensations in that area have changed uh, due to that surgery and the rewiring of things that they have to do. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so now you have a 
urostomy bag, um, which is where the urine secretes out of um, the stoma, as you said. Um, did anything, they took something else out with your bladder. What else did they take out? Because they didn't just take out your bladder and lymph nodes. They also took out your prostate, right? That's correct. Yeah, they took that out. I didn't even know. I mean, I was out of it. Um, they said they found uh, my prostate was worse than what my actual bladder cancer was. But, you know, so they just took it out when they were in. And uh, I guess they told my wife and daughter. And I guess they told me, but I was so out of it, I didn't even know. And I didn't realize a few weeks later that I didn't have a prostate. I mean, I'm a typical man. I don't know what all that stuff does. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty, I was pretty bummed. Right. So, yeah, I mean... They they took out of his prostate um, to because it was easier to take it out than cut around it. Um, and when they're removing anything from your body, they test it. And so we were waiting to get the results back, right? You were waiting to get the results back from the biopsy um, to see if the cancer, the bladder cancer, was showing up in any lymph nodes. And luckily it didn't, but your prostate showed up that it was cancerous, right? Mm-hmm. So then after that, I started to have uh, radiation. So at first I'd done three or four rounds of chemo. Um, then after I finished that, I had my bladder removed and my prostate. And then after that, I started doing, uh, I had six weeks of every day going in for radiation treatment. Um, really strange, you know, doing that. Uh, every day doing it, it was kind of crazy. But uh, I did that and I was feeling good. I was feeling bad. I was feeling good. I was grouchy. I wasn't very pleasant to be around. Uh, I was having the support of my wife who was very gracious and uh, very good at uh, dealing with me and then my daughter too, Avis, who's interviewing me. Uh, she was, they were both very patient with me and very uh, forgiving because I know I said hurtful things to them uh, and it was crazy. And I was going up and down and then I went in for a checkup and uh, my creatin which is how they measure your kidney function, um, was like a five point something. It's like a 5.9 or something. And it's, and it's supposed to be like point something. So the doctor immediately, uh, put me in the hospital. And then I had a, another procedure where they put, uh, tubes in my back going into my kidneys and, they gave me, um, I forget what the bags are called. Uh, uh, they're nephro uh, tubes. Yeah, so I got a nef I got two nephro tubes in my back and, and put my back and the tubes come in the back and then you have like two little pouches that you had to pin to your pants and my waist uh, wasn't going through the ostomy bag. It was going straight from my kidneys to try to 
get my kidneys lower. So that was supposed to last a month, two months, and as time went on, I got more infections, and I still had it, uh, you know. So for about a year, I probably went in the hospital about five, five, six times because I got infections and they just kept changing the tubes and uh, yeah, it was that was pretty weird. I was really down in the dumps. So, uh, I didn't really, you know, I, I kept thinking that they're gonna go and uh, no go. Then about a year after that, I'm still waiting and uh, really pissed off with the whole situation. Then I kind of decided I got to accept the fact that I'll probably be like this for the rest of my life. So I kindly, finally kind of uh, calmed down, accepting it for what it is. And uh, obviously my lifestyle is 100% different than what it was. I was a pretty social person. Uh, used to like go out and have a few drinks. And, uh, you know, I was always running around in and out of the house. And uh, it's just crazy. Yeah, who that that that's a lot to go through, and you know now we're three years in. You've had those nephro tubes for for three years now, and um, you know chemo, major surgery, radiation because you found out you had two different types of cancer at the same time. Um, what is something f with other men or women or people in general going through something? similar to you having nephro tubes or having a bladder removal and going through this experience what is uh some support you can give them like words of wisdom that helped you personally in your own mind get through these times and not just accept what was going on but also to like still enjoy living even with these hindrances happening well with me i felt like i wasn't really a man and i figured i let my family down which my wife and my daughter said no way i didn't and uh, you know i spoke to some friends about it uh, my friend circle of friends changed quite a bit i got one or two really good friends that, that stayed by me which is good and i was speaking to a friend one day and said this let your daughter and wife do what they want. They, they, that's what uh, she signed up for, you know, and she married you. It's So then I realized that, you know, family, uh, that's what it's really all about. You know, I always thought family was important, don't get me wrong. And I've always heard people tell me, you know, there's nothing more important than family, but it's it's really true, you know. I felt I trained my daughter and wife like shit, really going through, uh, you know, being stubborn, being ignorant, being, uh, you know, not taking medicine I was supposed to take, you know, them having to make sure, check up on me all the time, uh, waking me up in the middle of the night because I, you know, the bag broke or something and, you know, the bed soaking wet. And I was going through a stage where I was falling out of bed and, uh, that wasn't no fun, because I'm a big guy. I mean, it literally took both my wife and daughter getting me out, to get me out, you know, off the floor, which could take 30 minutes. And, you know, 
you know, and I'd be yelling and uh, they'd say, you know, there was no need for that. And I apologize, but they just kept kept doing what they'd done. And, uh, I, you know, something went up in my head and, you know, let's sort this shit out. I can go on like this for six months and just get worse and probably die or, or just try to live a bit better and be positive and, uh, you know, what time I do have left, I'm going to be, uh, be happy. Might as well make, make it happy, even if it's not a long time, then be miserable. So, uh, yeah, it's all very mental to, with me. Hmm. Yeah, what, um, you're, you know, very funny guy. Uh, do you think, like, uh, still having a sense of humor, even dark and twisted, has helped you get through? Oh, tough times and like brought you the joy and like ab absolutely i was i was embarrassed about it but i I wouldn't let people know i was embarrassed i I was embarrassed myself i was very sad inside um but putting on a brave face and i think that makes it worse you know i learned it's okay to to talk about it and uh <coughs> excuse me you have a lot of things go go through yeah and uh you know i've probably been in hospital about 15 times for stage you know two or three days at each time in the last three years and uh it's no fun you know i was going in the hospital coming home for a week two weeks and going back in the hospital for three or four days and a month later back in the hospital and uh all the antibiotics because i kept getting uh kidney infections uh all the back, I'm pretty immune to antibiotics now, so uh, I gotta be super careful what I'm doing. Uh, so uh, that's it. And then my wife goes and gets lung cancer while all this is going on. So uh, now now we got we got two uh, invalids in the house, and uh, my daughter, being the star she is, she stepped on the plate. She took her up took her mother to all her appointments she'd drive me to all mine i mean you know she's running a business or trying to make a living uh she would grocery shop for us i mean we're we're pretty much uh we're pretty much the children and uh my daughter is the parent but uh she don't want us to look at it that way um i try not to look at it that way i accept it for what it is and uh Sometimes I have a hard time with it, but it's all about love and doing what you got to do. Yes, a lot of a lot of good key points. Um, I think one of the most important things I got from what you were just saying was that you, putting on a brave face because you didn't feel like it was safe to express your feelings and how you realized that that wasn't really effective and how expressing your emotions... And what was going through your head, even if it wasn't to me or to mom, but to somebody else, to a friend, um, was really beneficial. And I think that's something super important, especially for men to know that it's okay to feel sadness and to express sadness. Um, because in a way in society, as we see that men aren't 
allowed to express those emotions. And so I think that's really beautiful that I would you I would got to experience that and express those emotions to someone. No, I, I got very depressed. I was contemplating suicide. I couldn't get those thoughts in my head. I, I knew it's something I didn't want to do, but I just thought about it. Or I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I went to a doctor. They came, treated me, and, and I don't have those thoughts anymore, thank God. Um, yeah, it's just crazy, you know. At first, everyone said, are you okay? It's like, yes, I'm okay. Are you okay? Just drives you nuts. And, uh, you know, that shit don't happen anymore. But, you know, it's no big deal if someone asks me if I'm okay now. Because they're just, they don't know what to say to me. Or they're just being kind and just, you know, they just want to have some kind of communication. You know, uh, yeah, but it's hard. It's hard for men anyway to talk about their emotions and all that stuff anyway. And uh, I never talked about that stuff, but I've opened up quite a bit, um, especially to my wife and my daughter, which I should have opened up years and years ago. So I've I, I learned a bit, valuable lesson. You know, I mean, it's always best when everything's out on the table. Um, you know, I'm still a man's man, you know, I still believe I'm, I'm in charge of the house. I'm the king of the castle, but I really know my daughter's running the show, not me. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but, uh, that's the way it is. And, uh, but she lets me be in charge anyway. I have her permission to say that and I'm in charge. So it's all good. Yes, I, I... <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. See, the humor is still there. Yeah, it's it's not easy to hear uh, a loved one is feeling depressed and suicidal. Uh, but it's super important to know that because it's better to know than to not know. And, um, you know, I had my own kind of journey with that in the younger years. And so... Um, I'm really grateful that he has opened up because I think as a daughter and as a woman, um, it's super important to let the man, the only man in my life, um, know that I'm a safe space for him to express himself. And I'm really glad that he's able to do that in a way that he thought was wrong in the past and worked on that. And so thank you for sharing that, uh, not just with me and mom, but now everyone who's going to be listening to this episode. Um, another big thing you touched up on is uh, the role switching. Um, me kind of taking in the parental role and you guys being the children and I, I know that we it's really hard not to look at that but we try our best not to see those roles switch in that way what is something that you would like to share with other caregivers um from your a point of view of someone receiving care um words of wisdom for them to know to you um and for me to that would support us in I, making you still feel that you are 
in charge of your life while still keeping you safe and taking care of you. I mean, the bottom line is all the decisions are mine. So I, I choose to let my daughter make these decisions. Sometimes they're not always hard, but um, you gotta you gotta talk about it. You gotta keep things open, and sometimes it's it's very hard. I'm, I mean, we've had some good shouting matches over it, but uh, it's got there's two things. The person you're looking after has uh, got to understand what's best for them. As long as they understand what's best for them, and if the person doing the caregiving uh, is just honest and keeps pushing the things that are right, even if that person doesn't like it, you know, if you got to take uh, certain medicine or if you got to get up every hour and, uh, you know, walk 20 steps, you know, and, uh, you know, she's, and they say, hey, it's time to do it, you know, and you don't want to do it. it decision's yours but if you know it's the right thing to do and that person's only doing it because they love you and they care for you uh i mean once you accept that i think i think it's just accepting it and then it all falls into place but until you accept it yeah uh, you you just go through hell or i did it's uh you know i sat back and thinking everything will be all right in a month no okay next month okay the doctor said a week you know all right three months later I kept on like that and then getting more and more depressed and uh, you know thinking thinking it's like the weekend oh it's going to come soon it's going to come soon it's going to come soon and you know it's uh, it, it finally has come that I, I've accepted it so everything's fell into place basically uh, but I've been very lucky I've had uh, I've had a couple of people that stood by me. Uh, I put them through a lot of hell. They supported me. They've done a lot of things. I mean, I couldn't do it for anyone else. I mean, if I, I couldn't do it to help someone, even for love. I, I mean, it's, I hate to say it, but it's, uh, I think they go through just as much shit as the person who's sick, myself. So, so it's teamwork. That's all I have to say about that, Willis. <laughs> Teamwork, yes. I think that's something I've also learned because I have noticed that I will do things that I really don't even need to do where I'm just like, want to make all the situations be really good and everyone be happy all the time. And I, I can't do that. It's not my job to make everyone happy it's my job to take care of myself and also make sure that my parents if they continue to make the choices of following their treatment plans and their path that I care for them in the ways that they that need to be that they can't physically do um and still allowing them to do things that they can and not trying to completely take over because I feel like that's what I need to do. And I think that's been a big lesson because I, I noticed that when screaming matches would happen, I would be taking away something, not really knowing, and my intention wasn't to do it out of like 
uh, control. My intention was to do it out of love, but realizing that, like, well, I gotta step back. My dad is still a person. My mom is still a person. They still can do certain things. I shouldn't take things away from them that they're able to do. And luckily, I'm very blessed that they are still able to do certain things at this point in time. And so that, for me and for other caregivers, maybe you're you're thinking you have to do everything. Maybe asking the people you're caring for, what is some, like, stopping and asking, am I doing way too much doing things that I shouldn't be doing that you can do? It's really hard to ask that, too, because you're feeling like, oh, crap, what if I'm making stuff up or they get angry? But like he said, open communication is really important, I think, has really helped our relationship, especially in this role, because, you know, you never want this to happen. Um, you, you, you want the communication to keep going and for mutual respect to be heard and seen. And so, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned is to really step back and know that my parents are people and that they still can do things. Anyway, my bag needs to get changed, so I need help changing it. So guess who's going to do it? (laughs) Yes, she, she changes my... Rossomy bag. She she unsticks it. She cleans it. She she wipes me down. She puts a fresh pouch on. She seals it. She does everything like that, and she does it a few times a week. So, I mean, for a, your daughter to do that, I mean, it's not a nice job, but uh, she's a rock star. What can I say? She's my she's she's my blood. <laughs> Yes. Um, so thank you so much, Dad, for coming on and sharing your experiences uh, with me and with all the people. And um, yeah, so that's a little dive into our relationship and our dynamic as a caregiver and a, a care Thank you so much for listening. On next week's Radical Care podcast episode, I will be talking about befriending boundaries so be sure to tune in next monday love and blessings